I'm Mike Maloney, and welcome to another CSRM podcast. Today's episode is hosted by Dr. Greg Linville. Okay, we're back again on the CSRM podcast with uh, who's become now a good friend of this. And Vernon went as a pastor within the Missouri Synod Lutheran, planting a church as well as revitalizing a church. And if you want to catch up a little bit about his background, go back two podcasts ago, a couple weeks ago, and and learn about his own personal journey, but then also some of his theolo- theological ponderings and writings that we featured. There's some PDFs and books and even audio versions of some of the things that he's been thinking about in terms of the integration of faith and sport. And we, last session, Pastor, we talked about was competition itself biblically defensible we Mm -hmm. answered that yes christ competed paul competed so uh it would seem that if christ was sinless then competition is not a sin and then we started down this road that we think that probably most sports we didn't absolutely make a decision about this but it would seem that most sports would be biblically defensible if the rules and the intent of them matched up to our theological mm-hmm. grid work about what makes them biblically defensible. So I now, have to add that, sorry for interview. Go ahead. Add that. It's up sometimes the individual too. It's like you have a weaker conscience. Some people can play like uh Gus Macker tournament, you know, three on three tournaments. Uh they're very cutthroat when we were played and some people just couldn't play the Macker at all. So that let's go with that right there. Um exp- Take that and run with that a little bit. Sure. The sports, well, the sports, biblically defensible, but for an individual, you're saying it may not be. Exactly. Why? So, uh, just like you know the Bible, you know some people could eat the meat sacrificed to idols, some could not. And so that's again, if you have a weaker conscience, or you know, if, if, if this really, if you have an anger thing that gets you really heated up and uh, it's not righteous anger, uh, maybe that sports not for you. Where others can come into that sport and play all day and, and get trash talk and all that stuff, and they, it's not a problem for them. So I think that's something that we uh, can't judge uh, somebody's individual relationship with Christ. So we can lay it out as as uh, Dr. Vine has done. We can lay it out so you can be a Christian in this sport, but others can come to this sport. And it affects their faith badly, wrongly, and then well, maybe you can't do that. This is this is an excellent, excellent thought. And I have a re- very good friend by the name of Mickey, and Mickey describes his journey that he was like that, whether it was on a softball field or a basketball court, and he knew one Bible verses entire. I don't know, first 30 years of life or something. And that was the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. And he said, so I'm going to knock your nose on the other side of your face so that you can be like Jesus and you can weep. Uh, <laughs> but, but he was saying that 
facetiously, obviously, but that he had that kind of struggle. And it's so it may be biblically defensible, but if you have a, a, a character issue or weakness, personality issue that maybe you cannot. And for some people, it may be anger. It may be they can't control their language, mm-hmm. but it may be that it's like a drug that they, they have to win and they have to be honored. And, and, and it may be that it's, it's so all encompassing that they get all out of fellowship. They don't do anything with the church, even with their wife or husband, or uh, what am I saying that resonates with what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. That, I mean, I think we agreed this uh, in our conversation on the phone the other day, our ultimate goal is discipleship. So sports is a part of your life, but it's not the entire thing of your life because it's a long journey. Uh, I'm, I'm older, so I'm not, you know, I'm not a prime athlete anymore, but I know that I am ministering to some people in the prime athletes. I got a, one of the top freshmen in the country right now. That's where I, uh, my preschool director's nephew, uh, Lexington Catholic here, and he's recruited all over the country. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's his life right now. And uh, he's not a member of my church, but he's part of that ministry in a sense and still talking to him and sharing Christ with him. So we need to uh, balance that. And, and uh, you know, everybody's got to stage, but, but the long term, as we shared earlier, is, is discipleship and, and bringing them to the relationship with Jesus Christ that goes beyond that, just the athletic field going off the floor, too. And so we have to be careful with these analogies. But let's talk about it in this way, that at the very least, if someone is involved in athletics in a sport and they are finding themselves in this way, that they are constantly compromised, their their walk with Jesus, their discipleship is constantly under duress, if not absolute failure, that it may be that they cannot compete in that particular sport or maybe any sport Hmm. and at the very least we would say in the analogy that if my addiction to alcohol is such that i literally cannot go anywhere where it's served Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i i'm actually recording this at a chautauqua where i'm at for the week and the Chautauqua is completely alcoholic free. And I've had a number of friends, in fact, one who's coming this week, who started their journey to sobriety at the Chautauqua because they weren't they weren't ever tempted by any of that. So that's similar to this with a sport. But there's also then how do we compete in the sport beyond that? And I ended last podcast with you with the question because you're a basketball fanatic and i say that in a positive because i am too it's all good um and i ask you would jesus ever foul in the sport of basketball and to give you a little more to run with here since we our salvation is dependent upon christ's righteousness meaning he never sinned so now you need to be careful about this fouling situation. Jesus have <laughs> so go ahead, I'll, I'll let you answer that. Is it a sin to foul? That's that's. I mean, that's the the, the deep plot. The question because I mean, we're all. I mean, 
in a sense, unless you're Bill Lambert, he never followed anybody. The Pistons, you know, I'm a Bad Boys fan, but uh, <laughs> who me? Um, I I would say if Jesus competed in the in the playing floor, he'd probably be called for a foul. And then you're talking about intentional fouls too, possibly, you know, to stop the clock. Is that part of the part of the game? More so than uh, being an absolute sin against the Ten Commandments, um, I would say that's part of the game. Um, again, not to uh, dis disparage uh, part of the game injuring somebody that's that's something completely different uh we're not going out to deliberately follow somebody to to injure them um maybe the bad boys got a little bit more of that in the pistons days but um it, that's not what we're we're out to as christians but there may be a time where we either you know unintentionally or intentionally follow somebody in a basketball court and i don't think that would be a a sin it's part of the part of the game yeah and i just thought wrong way anyway so it's i So some of it is how we define fouling. And I think what you're saying is that there may have been a uh, time that even an intentional foul is within the spirit of the game. You've got to stop the clock and all of that would be biblically defensible. And therefore Jesus would not sin. But the follow-up question is um, who would call a foul on Jesus? (laughs) <laughs> the is Pharisees. there a referee alive that would call the foul in Jesus? Yeah, the Pharisees. Yeah, it's, well, it's, well if, if Jesus is calling a foul against my team, I'm going to tell you, yeah, play my team. Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, I think in some ways, obviously, it's kind of a, a, a humorous way. I hope it's humorous to people to try to figure out our way around this. Yeah, I think I think uh, I don't you know Chad Carlson and uh, Brian Bolt. They they did a podcast on that also, I believe. And their um, was it deep 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 faith? I forgot deeper life. They're Calvin and Hope profs. They got a podcast too. I I would have to find that for you. Yeah, and and I, let's let's take it now a little deeper in how would Jesus play the game of basketball today. What would be his Christmanship ethic that we should try to emulate? Well, I think that not only the joy, I think he would bring a lot of joy to the sport because play is a gift of God. If, if you have grace, you can play. And I think that's that's the gift he would give bring. Uh, the, the camaraderie, the teammanship, um, the striving for excellence, whatever skill set may be as a a 510 Jewish kid. I don't know what tall, tall he might have been um, on the playing floor. Um, I think there would be uh, a striving for excellence, whatever his gifted, whatever his athletic ability would be. There would be respect for obviously the coaches and the refs and um, a love for the a love that God has given this gift to play. And we would we would call this even worship. And in the same way that somebody can worship God by playing a guitar or an organ or singing, or someone could worship God by performing a dramatic art. Um, that I love, I love that. Yeah. Cause I, 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 when I interviewed the athletes for my dissertation, you'll see this maybe if, if you read through the whole, whole dissertation, I forgot how long it is, but some of the athletes at like a Wheaton or a, a Bethel or, you know, that really emphasize Christian uh, music and, church i said well i don't have a gift for music you know they kind of feel guilty 
I, I just have this gift of sports and sometimes they're looked down upon in certain contexts in Christian circles, but that's what they bring. And what we're trying to pass on is also you bring this to uh, your children or as a future coach or parent, and you're bringing this whole atmosphere with you. In, in the Christmanship book, we call it a progressive intensity level, a PIL. And to help you understand that, uh, at the, the first step, if you will, would just be play. Think about two kids on the beach playing in the sand. There's no rules. There's no nothing. They're just playing. But then they get into what we call playful games. I can build a sandcastle better than you can. And now there's a little bit of a definition, but it's still playful. It's still a game. And and there are, we've actually identified seven steps in the PILs that will probably come up on the screen here again. And it moves up through then sport, and it goes all the way up through what we would call professional sport. And what we have identified is that it's pretty easy at the play stage to play like Christ. But when you're getting paid at a certain level, and think paid not just the LeBron James of the world, but the coach of the middle school team and your middle local middle school, they're all professional because they're getting paid to do something within sport mm -hmm. that on those, as those PILs go up, the higher you go up on that, the harder that it is to maintain your Christmanship and what we've identified actually. And I think that your research that you had mentioned that I think people would do well to read the dissertation and figure out what some of these college athletes, coaches are, are struggling with and what they go through. We've got four quadrants. And so the north-south axis is the PIL. And the east-to-west is what is the expectations of other people, etc. And so we can place ourselves in any of these quadrants. And what we find is that the most difficult ones for them to be in Christians that are trying to be disciples of Jesus are above that kind of third, fourth level. And, and now we get into zones that are very, very difficult to find the joy that mm -hmm. you mentioned. That's what mm -hmm. made me think of this as you talk about yeah. it. And, and of course the great movie about Eric Little and when I run, mm -hmm. I feel his pleasure. Pleasure. Yeah. I run and I feel his pleasure. You know, <laughs> as he said that, and as I, I've interviewed family members and people were in a prison camp with Eric Little, and, and I talked, and as far as I can tell, he never actually said those words as he did yep. there up on yep. Ald Riki in Edinburgh with his, yeah. with his sister in a movie. And yet everybody that I talked with said that was his attitude. Yep. And so the movie producer, I think, got it right. But we we struggle with this. Your thoughts about struggling with those PILs and right. Well, I mean the, the passage, the, the Zechariah passage, where uh, you know the God's kingdom is compared to a little kids playing in the streets, which Tennyson and uh, Rick Talender, you know, got the uh, book title "Heaven Is a Playground," and I think that expresses that joy again. But you're right. Uh, 
when I was in Chicago, I lived in Elmwood Park right by Concord River Forest. I was adjunct over there and all these playing fields by and you see these little kids running around. They have no idea what they're doing on the soccer field, but there's so much joy chasing after a soccer ball. But the older they get, even though they're not professional levels, you can see a seriousness that was kind of like, you know, they're missing the joy sometimes. And I remember um, one of my uh, friends growing up, uh, my basketball buddies, his uncle played for IU, 76 championship team, Bobby Wilkerson. And uh, once I remember just curious for little kids, oh, it's like playing for Bobby Knight. Bobby Knight hate me, made me hate basketball. <laughs> and that's, you know, kind of that, that thing, you know, so high pressure to play for an uh, undefeated championship team. Uh, he played professional, but and now he's, I guess Bobby ended up coaching basketball later on. You know, he's retired now, I believe. But um, that I remember that glimpse of that 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 basketball became a something you hate. Or, or I'm sure growing up, he loved it. That, that's that's uh, that's so helpful because if we can't find the joy in it, then there's really something wrong. That's not the way that God would have envisioned this. Right. And uh, any of my former students or colleagues would know that I, I have to at least get this in once. And that is that why is basketball the greatest game ever? It's because <laughs> it, was, it was created by a Presbyterian minister that teach the gospel. And uh, we've covered that before. We won't go into that again. But it it oh. it is with that intent that we are to glorify Jesus and that we can have the joy in doing that. And that's what I sense in your heart, your yeah. spirit. Yeah. And, and your, it's, it's, it's the greatest. I mean, God, God, somehow 1892, uh, God said, Hey, this, this world needs basketball. <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, you're talking about Don Olds and, and the mission trip we're talking about earlier. You know, like, how could he give to communist China? That's right. Basketball. Yeah. And, and and he did venture for victory, as you mentioned in the first podcast in the yeah. series, and that that was some of the very first short-term sports missionary. And that was 80-some years ago now. And some of us that are thinking, well, this is brand new. Well, we've got decades, almost a century into this that we're doing it. And and I, I also will tell you is that I, I hold in my possession a copy of the letter that Jane Smith's granddaughter wrote because wow. she she supported somebody financially to go on a short-term mission trip and she mentions that he would have been so pleased to know that the game was being used in this way well that's mm -hmm. another story down at street mm -hmm. but um you, you you've been very kind and gracious with your time to oh, be thank you yeah. honor. and yeah. again i'm sure that someplace along this podcast that to get a hold of, of Pastor Went, that information, that contact, he's he's offering for you to get these PDFs of some of the stuff that he's written and some of the sound bites that he's done in, in an audio form. And we really resonate with you and our hearts are united on this. And we're we're hoping that people will dig deeper. We're hoping that this series will help people to want to dig deeper in how to integrate faith and sport and then teach this to the folks that are involved in the sports in their local church, sports, rec, and fitness. So mm -hmm. last words or last uh, encouragements, Pastor? 
Well, I, I appreciate that. It's Levine, right? The last name is Levine. Am I pronouncing that right? Dr. Linville. 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 I'm sorry. Linville. I yeah. should have better. But Dr. Linville, uh, you may know this. I, I used my sermon a couple of Sundays ago that uh, the best thing that happened to him is his son married a good old Missouri Synod Lutheran girl. So there you go. So, no, uh, I just, I just happy to, to meet him and uh, an honor to be a part of this broadcast. And yeah. Thanks Steve Baller for introducing me. Well, all right. We've come to the uh, end of our time and thanks for joining us on this edition of the CSRM podcast and know that you can go online and get all of the ones that have been archived through the years and all of the books and all the other articles, and there will be also connections that you can get a hold of Pastor Wynn. And those of you that are in northern Kentucky, where uh, Pastor Wynn is, uh, we are establishing a, uh, a regional group down there, and we're hoping that there will be a number of you that will come and get involved in that. The regional groups meet anywhere from uh, quarterly to monthly, and they try to figure out how to better reach people who are far from Jesus and his church using sports rec and fitness. So we welcome anybody to this process. Goodbye for now. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. The CSRM podcast is a production of CSRM and their production house, Overwhelming Victory. Dr. Rick Linville is the executive producer and Scott Stedman is the associate producer and editor. To learn more about CSRM, visit csrm.org. For more information about Overwhelming Victory, visit overwhelmingvictory.org. The CSRM Podcast is the flagship member of the podcast network Overwhelming Victory Radio. For more information on Overwhelming Victory Radio or to listen to our partner podcasts, visit overwhelmingvictory.org backslash OV Radio. For CSRM Podcasts, I'm Mike Maloney. Have a blessed day.